Turn with me, if you would, to your neighbor and say, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. I've been listening to a song in preparation for this sermon. And it goes like this. You ready? There is power in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Huh? There is power in the name of Jesus. All right, I'm going to skip to the chorus. Save you all a little time here. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Can I get a, can I get a round of applause? Hey, come on. Scotty up here at the front really appreciates that. Turn with me if you would in your Bible to Mark chapter 5. Sometimes you need to look at your problems and you need to speak the name of Jesus. Can I get a witness this morning? You need to look at your problems. You need to speak the name of Jesus. You need to remind them that there is power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to break every single chain that binds you. There is power in the name of Jesus. In Mark chapter 5, we get one of my favorite stories of Jesus being the chain breaker. Of Jesus being the chain breaker. I'm going to pick up in Mark Chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. I hope you're there in your Bible. If you're not, we've got it on screen for you this morning. The Bible says this. They went across the lake to, to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. Listen to this. For this man had been chained often hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. No one on earth at that point had been strong enough to subdue this man. And night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. In Scripture, we get a lot of important metaphors, and one of those metaphors is that this idea of being chained is the same as being in bondage to sin, being caught up in a sinful activity. And we have a nature in ourselves that's called our flesh in the Scripture that gravitationally pulls us to sin. So every single day when we wake up, there is something about our nature that gravitationally pulls us towards sin consistently day in and day out. And if we allow ourselves to get, sometimes the scripture says, entangled in the sin or caught up in the sin or become a slave to that particular sin, then we're chained to it. But praise God, there is power In the name of Jesus. To break every single sinful chain in my life. Now if we're going to stick with this metaphor of the idea of chains. I want to tell you about our our friend in Mark chapter 5 this morning. This is a man who no longer, listen to this church. This is a man who no longer requires chains to be bound. 
This is a man who no longer requires chains to be bound. And I preached this sermon uh, a couple of times in a couple different ways. I, I used to talk about the problem, the power, and the person. And as I was praying about freedom and ways Jesus Christ frees us, that song came on the radio. There is power. You're like, no, don't, don't sing again. In the name of Jesus. I may just give this to you three or four times this morning. To break every chain. Okay. And I thought, man, that's it. This is a man who's been bound so often that now, at this moment, no chains are required. And there has to be a name above every single name, a power above any earthly power, a power greater than the power that is in the world that frees this man from the kind of bondage he's in that now no longer requires chains. And that name and that man is the man who arrives on the scene this day, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there is a place beyond the chains, and, and I want you to write that down in the margin of your Bible or if you're taking notes. There is a place beyond the chains where you're still bound and no chains are required. There's a place beyond the chains where you're still bound and no chains are required. And this is truly the moment you become a slave to the sin you've been entertaining. And in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, God gives us three things that are required for you to get bound when no chains are required. Okay, so the first, the first part of that we already read, and that is you have to be bound often. I want you to write that down. You have to be bound often to get bound beyond the chains where now no longer chains are required. You have to be bound often. This is in the book of Proverbs, chapter 26, verse 11. I hope you're taking notes today. If you're online, I hope you're following along. In your Bible app, we also have the outline of today's sermon, so you can follow along there as well. In Proverbs, chapter 26, and verse 11, you're going to be familiar with this verse when I read it. The Bible says this, As a dog returns to its vomit... So fools repeat their folly. In Mark chapter 5 and verse 4, the Bible says, This is a person who has often been bound and chained hand and foot. He's been chained over and over and over again. The writer of Proverbs in chapter 26 would say, Just like a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to its folly. Some of us have been bound beyond the chains where now no chains are required because we've kept going back to that same sin over and over and over and over again. And we pretend like it's not as bad as it really is. Or we pretend like just because somebody doesn't know we're doing it over and over again that it's okay. Or that because God's grace covers a multitude of sins that it doesn't matter that this is something I consistently struggle with. And the Bible is clear. If you allow yourself to go back to that same sin over and over and over again pretty soon... No change will be required to bind you and your mind will be a captive slave to that sin. Now this verse, Proverbs 26, 11, is found only one other place in Scripture. And that's 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. And that's such an easy verse for preachers to remember. You know why? It's all twos. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. You can memorize that right now today. Let me tell you what's neat about this. 
Our friend Peter understood what it was like to return to the same sin time and time and time again. In Mark chapter 14, Peter's following Jesus from a distance. And that's the sin Peter's consistently committing. I think that's Mark 14, 46. I'm going to talk about it in Bible class this morning. This is a guy who followed Jesus from a distance consistently. And because of that sin, he fell flat on his face time and time and time again. He denied Jesus Christ three times. Then later he was accused of being two-faced and a hypocrite and wanting to eat with Jews when no Gentiles were around and wanting to eat with Gentiles when no Jews were around. He's following Jesus Christ from a distance. And he understood eventually in his life that returning to that same sin of being distant from Jesus time and And time and time again, eventually led him to being a slave to that sin. But no change were required. In my work with families, I call this the Frankenstein's monster phenomenon. The Frankenstein's monster phenomenon. Some of you you have, have been familiar with the story or seen a movie or understand the metaphor when I'll explain it. Frankenstein has this creature that he's trying to raise back up to life. And part of the process is there has to be a bolt of lightning strike this machine to then start up the monster. And that's exactly what it's like for us in battling our sin nature. Every time I return back to that same sin, it's like sending an electrical charge to that flesh sin nature within us. And every time I go back there, it's another electrical charge and another electrical charge and another electrical charge until eventually what I've done is I've reawoken that sin nature in me and now it becomes all-consuming in my life and it dictates what I do rather than the Spirit of God that lives inside me. And if I've never been baptized into Jesus Christ, it's dictating what I do consistently. Raise your hand if you've heard the phrase, it's insanity to keep doing what you've been doing over and over and, and, and expect a different result. We've all heard that. That's what we're talking about right here. Now, I'm not going to ask for another show of hands, but I consider doing this. I'm not going to ask for another show of hands, but I consider doing this. How many of us, even though we know that phrase, have chosen not to live by that statement? And I know doing the same thing over and over again is going to lead to the same result I've already gotten which is slavery beyond the change where now I'm bound and no change are required and I've still chosen to go back to those same sinful activities time and time and time again. That's one thing that's required to be bound beyond the change. Let me tell you another thing. Another thing that's required, what we read in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, is that this guy has been chained often and that he's been... He's been in a position where he has tried to break his own chains time and time and time again. So this guy's been chained often, but he's tried of his own strength to break the chains time and time and time and time again. And here's what's ridiculous, because this is so exactly like how it happens in our life. It looks like he's been successful at doing that. Because he has. He's broken those chains so that no one now can bind him. And is this man still bound, even though of his own strength, he found a way to break those chains? Absolutely, he's still bound. And that's the other thing that's required. First, you've got to be bound often. And second, you've got to assume that you can break those chains with your own strength. 
I want you to write down Jeremiah chapter 17. I want to read you a section of scripture here. This is Jeremiah 17. I'm going to start in verse 5. I'm going to read through verse 7. If you can turn there really quickly, it'd be powerful if you read this along with me. The Bible says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person is cursed if he trusts in man and trusts in mere flesh and turns his heart from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They won't see prosperity when it comes. They'll dwell in parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. That sounds a lot like our friend in Mark chapter 5 who dwells among the tombs. In a barren land where no one lives. And then there's this beautiful conjunction in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 7. The word but, because that's, re- that's not the end of the story in Jesus But blessed is the one whose confidence is in the Lord, who trusts in him. Friends, if you trust in your own strength to break your chains, you will be cursed. If you trust man to break your chains, you'll fall under a curse and you'll find yourself dwelling in a barren wasteland where no other living thing lives. And if you dwell in that land for very long, eventually it won't require chains to keep you bound and enslaved to whatever the sin is that you're dealing with. And you'll be looking around trying to find resources, gasping for air, fatigue, trying to tread water, and you'll find none because you've trusted in man and not in God to do the work that only the name of Jesus Christ can do. Can I get a witness this morning? There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Some of us are struggling because we're trying to do it ourselves. We're trying positive mental attitude. We're trying personal growth and development books. We're changing our diet. We're meeting with counselors. All of that stuff is good. But if the name of Jesus is not part of your equation, you're going to be cursed. And find yourself in a barren, desolate wasteland. I think that's one of the main tactics of the devil, by the way. Is to give you a little bit of success at breaking your chains. I think one of the main tactics of the devil is to give you a little bit of success at breaking your own chains. Because if he can get you to buy into the lie that you of your own strength can do it by yourself and you turn away from God and stop relying on God and start relying on man, then you'll be under God's curse and you'll be his for the taking. It may seem like in life you've broken your chains, but always... Always the chains will remain unless Jesus himself is the chain breaker. The third thing about this man that keeps him bound beyond chains, where no chains are required, is that you have to dwell in darkness rather than in light. You've got to dwell in darkness rather than in light. This man lives among the tombs. 
in this dark, we get this image of this kind of cave uh, riddled area that's dark, that's away from other people. In the Bible, this idea of darkness and light is, is kind of the same contrast between good and evil, surrender versus self-sufficiency. In John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, we get some clarity about this. Everyone who does evil hates the light. And they won't come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done have been, have been done in the sight of God. Friends, it's easy to live two separate lives in front of other human beings. Listen to me. It's easy to live two separate lives in front of human beings. You can come to church on Sunday. You can go to CR on Friday night. You can go to Heart to Home. You can be in re-engage on Thursday night. You can do all these activities with the church and you can clean yourself up and put a smile on your face and act like you're living a life in the light. But when you're afraid from, when you're away from other human beings, you can be living in complete and total darkness and secrecy and sinfulness. But the one person you can't live a double life in front of is the Lord Jesus Christ. He already knows. And so the only person you're actually fooling is your own self. You have to learn to live a life in the light. This is so hard for so many of us. Because what that really means is you've got to be emotionally naked before God and before the family of God. And you got to be willing to get really honest about what your struggle is. And that might be a really nasty, humiliating, shameful struggle. And I think emotional nakedness is a way to describe that. Lots of us have shared the same nightmare growing up. You know what it was? It was that all of a sudden you were going to fall through the roof of your elementary school in your underwear. You've had that dream and so have I. Because there's that natural humiliation. Listen to me. Listen to me. There is a natural humiliation associated with that level of vulnerability. That's, that's the principle. In our culture and in many cultures around the world, there is a natural humiliation with, associated with a high level of vulnerability. That means of your own flesh, it's going to be very difficult not to live in the dark. Listen to me. Of your own strength, it is going to be very difficult for you not to live in the dark. The temptation is going to be to keep the nastier, more shameful, sinful stuff in your life secretive and in the dark. So that we don't have to feel the shame and humiliation and embarrassment associated with that level of vulnerability. But as long as it's in the dark, it's not under the light. As long as your sin is in the dark, it cannot be under the light. As long as your sin is in the dark, it cannot be under the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, it is the name of Jesus that breaks every single chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. But as long as what you're dealing with is in darkness, it can't be under the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you are battling with this right now. I believe God gave me this sermon because there are people who are fighting this battle right now. 
that I keep going back to that same sin over and over and over again. Or I keep trying to break the chains of that sin of my own strength. And the devil does what he does best. He allows me the illusion of getting some progress and breaking the chains of my own strength. Or I keep it a secret. I keep it hidden. I keep it in darkness. Pretend that if nobody knows, it's only me that's dealing with this issue, that everything will work out okay. And God's saying no in each of those areas. He's saying you've got to get the name of Jesus over your situation. So what happens in the story? What transforms this man's life? The first thing he does is he closes the distance between himself and Jesus. If the cameras are on me, zoom out a little bit. I'm going to go off stage. All right? I don't want him to get too crazy online. I want him to be, to be able to follow me. First way you draw close to Jesus is in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, but maybe the way you draw close to Jesus... Watch me. Watch this. Maybe the way you draw close to Jesus is today you get up and you go forward to him as he's calling out to you. Even if you're way at the back, maybe the way you draw close to Jesus is you get up and you close the distance physically between yourself and his people, the church, where they can lay hands on you, they can pray over you, they can offer words of encouragement to you, and you close physically the distance between yourself and the hands and the feet of Jesus. That's exactly what our friend does in Mark chapter 5. I've got this on the screen for you. Mark chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. This guy sees Jesus from a distance. And look at his response. This guy sees Jesus from a distance and he doesn't walk. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't wonder who's sitting next to him or behind him. Or, or, or all that he's going to have to do as a result of him closing that distance. This guy just gets hungry for transformation and he makes it happen. He runs and he falls flat on his face before Jesus Christ. In some of your lives, you're hesitating. You want transformation. And what I'm saying, you're feeling like it's, it's speaking directly to you, but you're thinking, thinking about it too much. We do this all the time, don't we? We think things through in our culture. The doctor says, you got a headache, you need to take two of these on your way home. You're like, I don't know that I agree with that assessment. So I'm on WebMD or Wikipedia, and before I know it, I've self-diagnosed. I'm terminally ill, and in two weeks, I'm done. I go to my attorney, I start writing my will, I talk to my children. That's the culture we live in. It's different than cultures before. We can think things through more critically and we have access to more information. So we hesitate a lot more today than we have at any other time in our history. I believe that. I think that kills men and women in their quest for true, authentic transformation. James chapter 4 verse 8, the Bible says this, Draw near to God. And I I love the last part of this. And he will. Friend, if you draw near to God, if you close the distance between yourself and God today, God will. It's not might or could or maybe in the future. It's he will draw near to you. When you draw near to him in faith by the power of the spirit, he'll draw near to you. When you physically close the distance between yourself and God, he'll draw near to you. If you look for the Lord wholeheartedly, Jeremiah 29, 
If you search for me with all of your heart, you're never going to be left looking. You're always going to find what you're looking for in Jesus Christ. But you got to draw near. The other thing this man does that I think we get a little bit, but we don't follow through, is he asks Jesus, what would you have me do? What is it that you want me to do? And some of us close the distance and we get humble and we allow the hands and feet of Jesus to minister to us in our lives. And then we sit back and expect him to keep on doing it. Jesus, if you'll just lead the right people to me, if you'll just give me the right verses, if you'll just speak to me every day, if you'll give me a song of encouragement, if you'll show up in my prayer closet. But it's all about what he's doing and it's not about what I'm willing to do. Jesus, what would you have me do? We got to ask the question and we got to follow through with surrender. Surrender. We got to close the distance. We got to ask the question and we got to follow through with surrender. That's exactly what our friend does here in Mark chapter 5. I want, I want to tell you this the place before the Savior is a place you can be fully set free. If you can just get yourself before the Savior, you can be fully set free. If you'll just fall on your face before Jesus and you'll ask the question, you can be set free. I want to go to verse 18 now and I'm going to conclude here. The Bible says this. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the demon-possessed man begged to go with him. Jesus didn't let him, but he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how the Lord has said, I have mercy on you. The God that we serve makes kings into beggars and makes beggars into kings. And here's a man that's life has been transformed and he, he exemplifies the most important quality of a transformed life. I'm going to give that to you right now. And that's that you become a beggar at the feet of Jesus. That's that you become a beggar at the feet of Jesus. Let me tell you a quick story. Yesterday, I'm kind of doing sermon prep, thinking about my conclusion, praying. And there's a knock at the door. And Kirsten and I are home kid-free. My kids are in Kansas. We dropped them off last weekend. And it's been really, really good. But it's also been hard. We are way kid-centered in our family. And it is like quiet at our house. We're kind of like... Man, the house is clean, like, there's no drama going on. What do you want to do? You want to go on a walk? You know, you want to watch the dogs again? Uh, and there's a knock at the door, and it's this 21-year-old kid from Utah who's doing door-to-door sales in Louisiana at, for home, home security systems. And so I humor the kid, and I'm like, dude, give me the pitch. And he gives me the pitch. I let him in. You know, and I really am considering it because this is this guy's doing his thing, and we walk around, and 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 he ends up leaving, and and I told Kirsten, I'm like, man, that kid's hungry. That kid's hungry for success. He's down here in Monroe, Louisiana, beating down doors in the heat, trying to find a deal. And when, I, when I'm talking about being a beggar for Jesus, that's, that's, what I, that's what I'm talking about. Remember when you were first baptized into Christ, how hungry you were for his presence? 
Just like that first real job you had, how hungry you were to build your empire, not in a prideful, arrogant way, but man, how hungry you were in life. Man, when you had health benefits and retirement possibly, and and you could get your own place, and man, you were hungry. But then time moves on, and you get feeling beat up and worn down, and we stop being so hungry in life. That's, That's what happens to us spiritually. There are some of us who have done all of the above except this last piece, and we're not begging anymore at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, let me be around you. Let me be in your presence. And one reason that's difficult is because Jesus tells us so often what he told this man. You're transformed. I want you to go help transform others. And that's the work that Jesus is calling you into if you've done all of the above. And what you're going to find is that that as you're helping others transform and encounter Christ and grow and and not be caught in the same sin over and over and and not try to break their chains by themselves and and not live in darkness but live a totally vulnerable life in the light what you're going to find is that in those moments that's where Jesus is walking and you can encounter him time and time again if you'll be this kind of beggar on that kind of a mission for that type of king I hope you've been challenged today. I, I believe God has spoken to some of you. Uh, God, God gave me a lot of clarity about this specific group uh, with this specific message. I'm going to close in prayer. My challenge to you be close that distance. If you're battling, close that distance and let the hands and feet of Jesus minister, you today, minister to you today. I'm going to bow. I, I ask you to bow with me. I'm going to close in prayer and then we'll stand together while we sing. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the power we have access to in the name of Jesus. That's a power that breaks every single chain. Even when we're bound beyond the chains and no chains are required, God, the name of Jesus can free and heal us even from that place. I pray that any who are here that are carrying a burden would allow themselves to close the distance between you and them and come forward and be ministered to you, ministered to by you today. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.